Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. And right into the meat and potatoes of the segment, it's now time for David the Man of God Harris's college and NFL winners and losers. Take it away, David. All right, so it's been a wacky, wild start to the NFL season, start to the college football season, and now that we get into the conference play, wow, that was all you can say about that week was just wow. So we'll start off with the winners because those aren't always as fun. <laughs> Penn State, just dominating fashion, the only team in college football that has not yet committed a turnover. I don't know if. I was just that bad, but cool. That that game in Happy Valley, there were a lot a lot of people that are thinking it might be a three team race in the East, and the third team might be in Columbus. The way that Penn State and Michigan are playing now, granted, they're going to just cannibalize themselves, so it makes it a little easier. The road to Annapolis, but I wouldn't be surprised if, as we see Penn State continue to climb the rankings, more and more people get on the Happy Valley bandwagon. Could you? Could you? No one's actually actually talking about Franklin actually at, at Penn State. Everybody's talking about Neon Dion Primetime, but Franklin's doing a pretty good job over there at Penn State. Yeah, and I, and I think it's because the limelight is on. The way that you know, you know, Coach Prime attracts attention. And I think that's probably good for Penn State. Not necessarily flying under the radar, but just playing their game, playing efficient, dominating fashion on both sides of the ball. And sometimes no publicity is good publicity because when you start to hear national media kind of, I don't want to say hype you up, but kind of put a lot of eyes that does put a little bit of pressure. Now, I think Coach Franklin and Penn State, they're able to handle, I think they would be able to handle the pressure, and particularly as they get closer and closer to those key games late in the season that determine Big Ten East standings and not only playoffs, but college, um, conference championships. I think that's when we're going to start to hear more of the, okay, you know, look at the job. James Franklin's doing at Penn State. Look at the way that they're playing. But he also doesn't put himself out in the media. He's not a Harbaugh type. He's not going to attract with sound bites. He just, I don't want to say he's old school in that way, but yeah, he's just kind of keeping to himself, making sure that their focus is locked in week after week and is yielding great benefits. Keep going. Other winners, Duke and Kansas football, being both ranked and undefeated. I don't want to say that they're putting pressure 
on their, their basketball program, but kind of pressure on the basketball program. Like, when I tried looking it up, and I couldn't figure out a time where both Duke and Kansas were both ranked in football at the same time. Yeah, and then college game day is going there as well. Crazy, isn't it? As the world turns. Yeah, Duke football is on the rise. Surprised that Coach K wasn't the pick'em. Hold, pump the brakes, as Frank says. I don't know if it's on the rise. I mean, they do still play in the ASS or the ACC, but we call it the ASS because it's not really, or the Atlantic because it's not really a great conference. I I would say it's not a great conference, but that's when every couple of years you see the Dukes kind of, you know, have a great season. Kansas is riding the momentum where they're in this glorious years of Jayhawk football that no one in our lifetimes has ever seen. But I think because Duke has had moments within this century where they've had a good two, three, four-year stretch, and it's all it's all about recruiting, it's all about personnel, and it's about execution. And sometimes when you're executing and another team has a down year like Clemson, you're able to capitalize. Do I think Duke blowing out Connecticut does anything for anyone? No. Because when was the last time UConn football was relevant? But it's also you have to play who's in front of you. And I think I think today will be a good test as to Duke football. Are they, you know, contender, pretender? Not that Notre Dame's a bad team, and we'll, we'll get to that game in the loser segment. Um, but yeah, Duke has Duke has players, and for the longest time, Duke didn't have players. And yeah, it's just kind of this Magic Sun, Duke, Syracuse. I would put in that same realm. I believe isn't Babers undefeated too? Yes. Oh, okay, another African American head coach. Not really talked about. We go over here talking about prime time and got one guy that's undefeated. Oh, by the way, is also former head coach of that team down south, but. He has started out, though. I think I can see why they're not really talking about him too much. I know you used to live over there by the Syracuse area, but the the, the the Q's have started out with good starts and then just floundered at the end. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's what a lot of people expect, particularly from Duke, Kansas, and, of course, Syracuse. Just kind of the, the heavy hitters are at the back end of the schedule. So, yes, it's nice. A lot of people are thinking that Kansas, rightfully so, is probably going to lose to Texas. And, of course, the voters are going to be like, well, that means Kansas is in the top 25 team because they lost to a top five Texas team. Woo. But, yeah, it's part ACC, part Syracuse is another one of the schools where football-wise, eh, they go ups and downs. But, yeah, with Coach Babers, everyone's waiting for the other shoe to drop because last season, hot start, and then fell off the side of the cliff. Granted, that was injuries particularly at the quarterback position and um, secondary. They try to, you know, capitalize. But, yeah, you can never account for injuries, but I'm hopeful that Duke, Kansas, and Syracuse are all in a bowl game at the end of the season with winning records and accolades because those players turn those cultures around. That is true. Uh, continuing, just a quick quick shout-out to Toledo, not for what happened on the field, but off the field, getting 
the first sending the first offer to the son of Barry Sanders. I kind of always get the highlight. And then also last week, confirming that our non-conference game down in Starkville against Mississippi State. I'm just going to say it right now. Bulldogs, you guys better beware because we've, we've gone into the SEC and come out with a victory on the road. So don't take it lightly that you're just playing another Mac school, Mississippi State. True. There are two winners from the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, who literally none of us saw that coming. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I would be embarrassed to lose to the Cowboys. Dak Prescott played as as bad as you could imagine, uh, trying to get away from the running game. But you that, that was a bad loss on all facets. I wouldn't be surprised if coming back on the team plane – there were threats of people getting benched, people losing their jobs, just on general principle. Just like we we all saw that that roster. Obviously, you, you play to win a game doesn't matter about the name on the back of the jersey. It's about coming together as a team and as a unit. But if you're Dallas, that's a game that you really are going to kick yourselves in the foot. And I imagine watching the tape this week was was just that. Uh, but you play to win the game, and Arizona just wanted it more. Yeah, you always play to yeah. win the game. Yeah, but then the final winner, C.J. Stroud and the Texans, finally getting mm. out the schneid for would a career win. Would you think he could be NFL Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year? Just asking for a friend. It's going to be tough. Granted, they, those awards usually go towards either the quarterback or wide receiver. I wouldn't be just with this class. He's he's got to be front runner. Depending on how Bryce Young looks, I'm um, coming off of his injury against um, how he looks against Minnesota. I can see them those two being at the top, but. You have a guy like Tank Dell, his teammate, who a lot of people were saying, mm, he's a breakout. He could be offensive rookie year. And it's not as though wide receivers haven't gotten O'Roy's before. So Houston has a decent team. And offensively, as long as they continue to gel and click, again, barring injury, there's, there's a reason why I said the Texans would win this division. Because look around. Ain't much else going for them. Switching over to the losers, the, the fun that was this past week. Let's start off with the pros, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Just Actually, I'm happy for that. Defense, special teams, coaching, ownership, management. Just the mascot. Like anyone that paid money to go... From Denver, Colorado, flying all the way to Miami. At least you got to go to Miami. At least you got to spend the day before your flight back in South Beach. But good Lord, that was embarrassing. Like, there were, there were times in watching back the tape where the defense just didn't even care about tackling. 
And I'm like, fam, y'all have given up midway through this third quarter. Granted, the game was already out of hand. And when backups are, you know, embarrassing you like that, honestly, and this is a side, you know, people were t- you know, talking about you go for the record, you hold out the dogs. I'm kicking the field goal. People remember, and we'll, we'll talk about records later, people remember the, the most all-time points. No one cares if you're the fourth highest scoring team in NFL history. Go kick them while they're down. Sean Payton was up two and three touchdowns and going for onside kick. Rubs all in the wounds. Like, set the record. Like, at, at that point, I understand that, you know, a take that former players are divided on, whether you go for the record or not, I say go for it. Kick the field goal. If they haven't been able to stop you, why let up? I, like I said, I'm actually, I'm actually happy. I'm, I'm happy that this happened to them. And you know, you might think, well, Derek, you're a hater. The one thing I didn't like about Sean Payton, and I, I would try to look it up, uh, is that, um, and they talk about this. You know, Nathaniel Hackett was there last year. The Broncos was he a great coach? I, I, I think he wasn't ready to be a head coach to manage everything that comes with with it. Some guys are great coordinators, you know. Some guys are good at just compartmentalizing one thing. You know, offensive coordinator, you worry about the offense, that's it. When you start to get to the bigger positions or being the head coach, now you're pretty much running the entire program. Everything falls on you. You got the final decisions. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett was really ready for that. I don't think he was ready to deal with a lot of the egos that comes with pro sports. You know, there's just a lot. There's a lot more on your plate, but... The thing that I didn't understand was, for one, let's just be honest, the, the Broncos were just bad. They didn't have talent. And I, and I try to tell people this all the time. Everybody, I think, over-exaggerates how well the coaching is. If you don't have the talent and you're running and you're with an organization that's ran like a complete mess, it's not always the coaching. Just, let's just be honest. Now, there's some guys that can come in and override stuff. And if there's nobody, if they let the coach do what they're supposed to be doing and let and they have a good way of guiding the culture. Now, some of them have to have a strong personality with that. But at the same time, it's not always the coach. And just, just let's be honest. Can we agree? The Broncos were awful. They're just not good. Yeah. And it, it didn't help that. Nathaniel Hackett just couldn't control Russell Wilson and it kind of spiraled out of control. But Sean Payton should have known going into that situation, it wasn't like the Broncos, you're going to come in there and be the savior. At the end of the day, the players still have to execute. And now you're going in there, as people said, you broke the code. You went in there and you blasting publicly that he wasn't really good. And I guess let's see here. You can't find it. Let's go. I'll read with it. He said, you know, um, you know, he called national headlines saying that he had one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL and that there were 20 dirty hands around quarterback Russell Wilson. Um, You know, you don't blast another coach. You just don't. And me being in part, part of a coaching fraternity as well. Maybe behind behind closed doors, you might have said, you know, I don't agree with these. There's so so many ways to skin a cat, and there's so many ways to be coaching. And there's going to be different ways that I coach. Maybe if you coach, you got different ways. 
But you don't go out in the public and blast a coach and say that, you know, the guy was terrible and this and that. We already know he was terrible. That's why he's fired and you're hired. So now the mess is on your hands and the Broncos look like straight trash doo-doo. And you got a 70 ball put on you, which, by the way, I don't think that ever happened to Nathaniel Hackett while he was in Denver. Did it? Nope. Nope. So now are you trash? Funny how that works. Like I said, I know people always want to be trying to judge coaches on win-loss records. But at the end of the day, I think until you start to actually coach, one, you got to evaluate the talent. Like the Bears, Eberflus. I feel bad for him because I can't really give you an honest answer of his coaching because, well, one, we know the Bears organization is a mess. As long as Virginia McCaskey's there, the team will always be a mess. It's all over the place. I mean, let's just face it. You're going through coaches and GMs. It's the same story. Poor quarterback play. Only focusing on the defensive side of the ball. Then when the defensive side of the ball is not really good, you just look like straight trash. So I can't really judge him there. But in the same instance, though, Iberflus didn't come in and start dogging Matt Nagy because Matt Nagy was with the Chiefs now. And last week, you know, he pretty much gave it to the Bears. So it's all about the talent, you know, interesting how, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and you like an offensive genius. And then when you go over and try to get Mitchell Trubisky to turn around, yeah, you did get one divisional title. But after that, it was a complete mess. So I'm actually happy that the Broncos got blasted and got a 70 piece put on them. And I hope, you know, the Bears and the the, uh, Broncos played this week for the Caleb Williams Bowl. I, 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 do I think the Bears could win? Possibly, but I just hope that Sean Payton keeps losing, and then next time you keep your mouth shut. A coach on his caliber to realize that you keep your mouth shut. I understand you're in television, and you got to give your opinion. But once again, once you get back into the coaching ranks, you don't blast another coach. You just don't. You don't throw him under the bus because the same thing can happen to you. Because remember, as a coach, you're not playing. You have no control of what happens out on that field. You can make the greatest game plan ever, but if if you don't have the talent to execute it, you're going to get rickrolled. And this was exactly a situation that happened. Miami was the better team. You got blasted. And you got 70 points put on you like you were basically an FCS team. It looked awful out there. So actually, yes, ultimate loser, ultimate loser comments at the beginning of the year from Sean Payton. And I'm kind of happy this happened to him. I don't know about you. I know most people might say I'm a hater, but I don't really care. Like I said, I I lost all respect for Peyton after he made those comments about another coach. Because like I said, there's just some coaches where Hackett, maybe in another situation, might be a better coach. I mean, look at Belichick. He was over there with the Browns. It took him a while to get the Browns winning. Then he was in that whole mess. Got a second chance with the Patriots, and then he has this dynasty. It could possibly happen to Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe, maybe not unless he gets that second chance. But I think Nathaniel Hackett being a first-year coach and getting into that whole situation with the Broncos, it was too much. And they probably needed more of a veteran presence. But now that you you get uh, Peyton, and, and it ain't looking too good. So as someone said this past July in an interview to USA Today, they can only beat the bleep out of you so much, but everyone's got a little stink of their hands. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, 
that's how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's Sean Payton's words in July, and that's my words in response to what happened last Sunday. Yeah, it was bad. Well, it was all the way around. I, I tell people this all the time. You can't just blame the coach because obviously he ain't throwing the football. He ain't catching it either. Uh, maybe you can say about the play calling, but I mean, at the end of the day, you don't you don't throw another coach under the bus. Especially the coaching fraternity is very small, especially in the pros. I mean, you know, they recycle through coaches, but you know, all those coaches work very hard, especially in the NFL. You know, to get to that platform and for it to be a disaster for him, he did have bad clock management. Um, but then again, he was a new first year head coach. Um, but you you have no excuses because you're a Super Bowl winning coach, and for you to get seventy points put on you like that, and then talking that trash, I don't want to hear no more comments from Sean Payton the rest of the season. Sorry. Yeah. By the oh, way, yeah. the the Jets face the Broncos next week. Yeah. Three teams. Yeah, just a gauntlet of. Bad offensive, defensive. Yeah, it's going. It's going to be ugly for if you're a Broncos fan. Right. The next two weeks is going to be really ugly football. Bears, Broncos, ugh. and then Jets. Unless they get a veteran quarterback in there for Zach Wilson, or Zach Wilson gets an epiphany and, and starts playing a third of how Aaron Rodgers can play, it's going to be that's going to be really bad football. That might be uh, no highlights and scoreboard only. Please, at the end of that game, you won't see much. And speaking of Zach Wilson, the next loser, it it takes a lot in the history of that franchise to break Broadway Joe Namath. Like, like him coming out, like all the quarterback play that the New York Jets have had, thinking about the Sam Darnold, thinking about Ryan Tannehill recycled, Vinny Pesberg, like all the quarterbacks that were thought to be the savior. Zach Wilson playing so poorly that you have arguably the greatest player in your franchise's history, are definitely the greatest quarterback, to basically come out and say that he's done with you. Like, I don't know how many more people have to say Zach Wilson is not good for them to make a change. Like, there's a reason that you brought in Aaron Rodgers to be the guy. There's a reason why last year you had 95-year-old Joe Flacco yeah, but but Aaron Rodgers went down. You had to who who were you going to pick up and and that quick that quickly? You, you had to give Wilson a chance. No, no, I'm saying like in the off season. Well, them, yeah, but you also know, David, that uh, uh, they didn't expect Aaron Rodgers to go down. But you know, nowadays they're just only holding two quarterbacks on the roster. And you know, it used to be three, obviously, but now some teams are just going two. Rodgers goes down. Now you're scrambling in the season. To find a quarterback. I think maybe if this was if that was if that injury happened in the preseason, does Wilson see any action in the regular season? Mm, probably not. Yeah. Now they brought in Trevor Simeon. We'll see how that goes. But I, I thought really against the Cowboys, Wilson played okay. I mean, he's got to be a game manager. I think some of the other players just didn't really play very well, especially Dalvin Cook fumbling. Um, I mean, he is what he is. He's he's not a dynamic quarterback. Um, you've got a lot of talent. That's a really great defense they have. Um, you have some talent on the offensive side of the ball. You're going to have to come up with a game plan to basically – you're going to have to be playing very conservative, which sucks 
because once again, here comes the, the thing where do you get if they keep losing? Is it Robert Sala, the, the, the scapegoat, and he gets fired, or is it because of lack of talent? Well, obviously, it's a lack of talent because they can't do much on offense anymore with Zach Wilson. Um, but for Joe Namath to, to blast him, I mean, it's like, come on. But I know the New York media is, is tough. So, you know, I, I guess nowadays it's all about hot takes and what can you say that's just so out, out this world that you get attention. And we know Joe Namath and his drunken escapades on the sidelines with Susie Colbert and him wearing pantyhose back in the 70s. So I'm not surprised that Joe Namath said something egregious like that he did to Zach Wilson. I just think that you, you got to give the guy a little bit of support and, you know, he's stuck in a hard position. You know, they had to throw him out there. I thought, like I said, I watched the Cowboys game. I thought he played okay. I thought overall the team didn't play their best, and, and that's what happened with the loss. But if you're thinking that Zach Wilson's going to help you win a lot of football games, you're wrong. He's going to have to be more of a, of a game manager. And, you know, that, that's gonna it's going to take a very – detailed game plan to get a win for the Jets. And that's the, I think that's the difficult thing for Jets fans is that you need him to be a game manager while your most dynamic weapons are your wide receiver. Yeah. So it's kind of that duality trying to get the ball into the playmaker's hands. Well, if the guy that's thrown him the ball is a little shaky, that, yeah, that puts you back. And then having to rely on Alvin Cook and Brees Hall is still trying to recover from his injury last season, yeah, it's, it's even more pressure on that defense that is elite, but if they're out there for 45, 50, 55, 60 snaps, like, and don't get a break because your offense is three and out or maybe five or six plays, taking two, two and a half minutes off the clock, as great as the defense is, they're going to be tired. When you need them late in the game. True. Because it's like, yeah, give us some help. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, best of luck to them. I wouldn't, I, I guess my thing is, you better, the, the Jets fans had high hopes, but just lower the hopes. If you could make the playoffs, that'd be a miracle. Now, obviously, I would have loved to see what Aaron Rodgers could have done before he got in his injury, maybe stuck it to the Packers a little bit and shown that he wasn't, you know, washed up just yet. Um, but I do think, you know, the Packers were tired of him and his drama. So um, he said he's supposed to come back next season. I did think it was a little off the wall or a little not cool to be talking about the team and you're in California rehabbing. Now, you can rehab wherever you want to, but if you're going to make some input about the team, you need to be around the guys. You know, go get your Achilles tendon. I mean, I'm sure in New York they got a bunch of surges that could fix it, but you want to go back to California, but whatever. But he needs to get back with the guys and be around. Hey, why not, while doing rehab, why is he not there trying to mentor Zach Wilson? I mean, let's just be honest. We know that if if, if Aaron Rodgers wanted to get healed up by next year, he's going to get the, the job from Zach Wilson. But at the same time... Yeah. You, you're not playing this year. You already know that. So why aren't you there in New York helping the kid out? Yeah, it, it, yeah that could be a myriad of reasons whether Zach Wilson said no or and Rogers said no or the coaching, yeah. Well, if Zach Wilson said no, then shame on him because you're not that good. Yeah. So you need to take all the help you can get. 
But, you know, you, you never know. Sometimes with some of these quarterbacks, all they just need is a little mentoring. You know, we, we know talent-wise he's not Aaron Rodgers. It's just, it's, we know that. But Aaron Rodgers can say, hey, look, young fella, you know, watch some of this film here. Here's some things that you can do to just keep the team to being competitive. I mean, he is a small guy. I don't think he really has that much of a dynamic arm. But sometimes when you, you're cerebral, cerebral with the game, it can keep you afloat. And it, it can save the embarrassment. And it can help his career. Heck, you go out here, play decent with the Jets. You can go on with another organization and get on. Or be a long-time backup. Making money still. But if he go in there saying, no, I don't, I don't want to mess with Rodgers, blah, 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 blah. That ain't a good look. And then you looking like straight doo-doo out there well your career is going to be over i mean if he looks like straight straight trash or trevor simeon takes over his spot his his nfl career is over i mean you got a chance one time you fail you this is your second chance you're getting it you don't get too many chances in, in pro football yeah especially with the same team and especially within that locker room who already right. revolted all season when mm-hmm. Quarterback. Yeah, exactly. They all looking over their shoulder like, oh, man, this dude's out here. We ain't got a chance to win. And when you start having that, it's, it's going to be curtains. Keep going. Yeah. Staying in the NFL with coaching, uh, taking taking all the viewers behind the fourth wall, Josh McDaniels is the next loser. My God, when Monday morning quarterback deciding whether Josh McDaniels should have kicked the field goal, or gone for the touchdown. My word. For those of there's we have a group chat, and it was hilarious. Like, just trying to understand kind of this position. I think Josh McDonald's, they were going to go for three anyways. Their defense was playing well against the Steelers, made a stop, had full timeouts, and the two-minute warning. There was a disagreement, but, Yeah. Uh, with Frank, the the, the I, I it wasn't a disagreement. I, I I'll be honest with you. I I I was trying. Frank wasn't wrong. He wasn't. You know, if you want to try to win, you try to score. Okay, but at the same time, let's face it. If you got the two minute in the NFL, you got the thing of the two minute warning, which is almost like an extra timeout. Everyone will tell you that it's hard to score points. In the NFL. So if you're right there and you can get a chip shot field goal, take the chip shot field goal. Helps with the momentum. You get the points. What were they down by eight? Yeah, down by eight. With how much was it? Four minutes to go or three? A little over four, wasn't it? Yeah, a little over four. And then there were penalties with um, leverage that kind of kept the drive alive. Right, right. But when they hit to kick the field goal, and they got it down to five, it was a little bit over, what, four minutes or about three minutes? A little over three. A little over three. You kick the ball, don't let them return it. What, do they take it out to the 20? Um, so, yeah, yeah, they were deep in, deep in Steelers territory. Right. Okay. So now you're there. You rely on your defense. Obviously, you got the two-minute warning. You got three timeouts left. The other team is not going to risk throwing the ball. Let's just be honest. Really, they're not going to do it. They want to run the clock out. So you already know they're going to go to their kill-the-clock game package, which is run the ball. You're not going to throw the ball and risk it either getting intercepted or an incompletion to stop the clock. I mean, that's just dumb. So they're going to get the ball, run it. 
get your tackle, call timeout. Okay, well, there's one down, wasted. They're gonna do, they're gonna run again. Hmm. They get it down. You call a timeout. Now it's third down. Now it's third and long. Once again, if now, I hope they don't throw the ball. But it's a lot of balls to throw that ball deep in your territory. You're probably gonna run the ball again. By that point, it's fourth down at the two-minute warning. You still got one timeout left. They have to punt. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. You know, we were having this conversation in the text. Now they punt the ball. You get into your two-minute warning with them, with you punting the ball. Which you know, they they'll punt the ball from what the thirteen because usually it's seven yards that they try to hike the ball to you. So if they're at the twenty, maybe the twenty-one, twenty-two, they gain a few yards. So they kick it from the fifteen. You're going to get the ball close to midfield. Two-minute warning game you're getting into, and you got one timeout left. You're going trying to score and win. I, I guess that makes sense. I don't know. That, does that make sense to you, or, or, or am I off? No. No, that, that makes sense. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Going real game, it was, it was closer to closer to midfield, and so with the timeouts and with them milking the clock, running the clock, they were able to um, get a first. Think, get, yeah, get a first down. But then the Steelers decide to throw because Matt Canada's an idiot. Right. So, yeah, like the Raiders did get the ball. I mean, it was a booming punt by Harvin to get them down deep in the Raiders' territory. So they had to go length of the field with twenty, you know, with under twenty seconds, just with wasting the clock and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, under normal circumstances, you take the three and you trust your defense, which, I mean, the way that the Steelers' run game was all night, really, poor run defense. So I would much rather put the defense in my hands instead of, as we saw, sometimes you can go for it on fourth down and you don't get it. Right. What if you don't get it? It's like a momentum killer. It's, a, it's like, okay, because in the NFL – Usually the kickers are good. I mean, they're the cream of the crop. So you know you get the three points. If you don't get the points in the NFL, that's a momentum killer. You go for it on fourth down, you're trying to go for everything, and you don't get it. You're screwed. By that point, you can tell on the sideline everyone's deflated like crap. We probably, And people are second-guessing themselves. Man, we should have just got that three points. Because as you know, it's hard to score in the NFL. Hard. So any type of situation you get, you're going to try to get the points. You know, I understand Frank says, well, if you get a touchdown, two-point conversion, well, once again, you get the touchdown, ain't no guarantee you don't get that two-point conversion. It's either way, to me, if you're if a team is up by more than seven points in an NFL game, that's a two-possession game, realistically. If you're up by eight, if you do get the two-point conversion, great. You still, you still need to try to win. Now you got the ball... You're tied, but great. Now you gave a whole bunch of time for the other team to drive down the field, and maybe they kick a field goal. Who knows? You know, now the game plan kind of changes. If you go and score the touchdown, obviously you're not the, the team's not going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to win the game. So, I mean, like I said, I didn't think he was wrong. I was just trying to give him a different insight of what was going on. And, you know, sometimes – you know, I love Frank to death, but he wants to be the I, I am right guy instead of just trying to get it right or, or respectfully agree to disagree. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, and there's all kinds of graphics that I was looking up all throughout the week about probability, should you go for kick the field goal. Yeah, there's all kinds of analytics metrics um, for those situations, and mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to trust your players and just kind of go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Josh McDonald's trusted his players and just didn't turn out in the end. Right. Oh, well, <laughs> keep moving on. They're pushing to the college game, Notre Dame, OSU. It's hard to stop a defense if you have 10 players. <laughs> not just once, but twice. Like, that, that's egregious. Like, I'm not a coach. I would be, like, I would resign with that. And the explanation from Coach Friedman understanding, you know, Coach taking the blame responsibility, didn't want to no, take the timeout. You know, they didn't want to risk something happening. At that point, you just got to take a timeout, if nothing else, just to regroup your players, saying, all right, boom, we get the stop, we get the win. Here's what you got to do. And then just the way that they lined up, if, if it's a goal line offense and they need under five, uh, three yards, why are my linebackers four yards in the end zone and not preventing the gaps? Like, that's basic defense 101. Goal line, everyone's up front. Are, is it likely that maybe there's like a naked boot and like a tight end slips out? Maybe. But you could have a linebacker to account for that. But if you don't, if you're lined up thinking that they're going to pass when they have eight guys in the lined up ready to run like that that's poor play calling and the game was already you know going to be a dog fight slugfest both teams really didn't look like they wanted to win until the fourth quarter where they're like hey we are on national television let's not try to embarrass both of these organizations well it was kind of um, a boring game First through third quarter, then it kind of kind of became epic in the fourth. But in the, like I said, yeah. with with how much hype was going into it, it, it wasn't really a great game. Yeah, neither neither quarterback should be impressed. Like I understand people say, "Oh, Kyle McCord with the fourth quarter comeback rally." Like he still played, man. Like both of them were game managers and not really good ones. Mm-hmm. And so, like I'm. Like, I know a lot of people and Lou Holtz got slack quarters. They were poor. Like, they even struggled early on against Youngstown on playing better teams. Like, yeah. If you're an Ohio State fan, I wouldn't book my tickets to any playoff semifinals. Don't even book your pl- your plane ticket to Indianapolis. No hotels, yeah. You know, it sounds like, like your Ohio State hate to me. I, I just, I, like when I think of the best teams, when I think of the best teams in college football, I don't see Ohio State up there. Well, right now, like, I mean, David, what is it, three weeks? I mean, come on, it's early in the season. You know, everybody starts hitting their stride normally around late October, mid to late October. It's still early. I mean, the first month of the season, I'm just like, okay, you know, they're still trying to figure out who's the number one QB. You know, so it's not how you start; it's how you finish. Yeah, 
Well, for for Ohio State fans, I hope it's a strong finish because they are stumbling out of the block. It it it's it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Can the last loser going to be a little close to home for those that are listening in Toledo, Brooklyn High School, and Tim McFarland? Um, I don't know for those of you that are outside of. The Realm High School team played uh, played at school that's predominantly Jewish, and the head coach called a play with a reference to the Nazi regime. It was obviously embarrassing. He resigned, saying, "You know, with the BS, you know, integrity. You didn't mean anything by it. But yeah, just just sickening." Mm-hmm. So, and for those, yeah, Brooklyn High School is over in the Cleveland area, so just yep. down. Down the turnpike, but yeah, just all around loser, and I'm sure that he's going to um, justify and say, "Oh, you know, it's just a mistake." But like something like that, if it's a play call, you've put this in, you've told your players about this, you've practiced this, you've had a lot of opportunities for you to be like, "This is probably wrong," and then to use it against the team of predominantly Jewish players, like yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that wasn't the the, the smartest idea to to, to say Nazi with uh, predominantly Jewish players. That that yeah, that seemed like to me maybe that was how can I put it? They were kind of using cold words to kind of scare them up a little bit, and it backfired in his face. Yeah, and OSHA's gotten involved. I wouldn't be surprised if there's other, I mean, obviously legal action taking place with the local mm. local authorities in Cleveland, down in, like, with the State High School Association. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he never coaches again. Mm. But right, that's a, that's a sad way to end winners with losers, having it, trying to, like, say Nazism is bad in 2023, but... I mean, if you're going to keep doing this kind of stuff, like, we're going to call you out for it. Yeah, there's there's no place. yeah, it's no place for it in high school sports. Well, long winners and losers, long windy, but we're getting into the Rocket Recap. It's homecoming weekend. And as I said, me and David, alumni here at the University of Toledo. Kind of strange, though, that they got Northern Illinois on the homecoming list. As you know, normally during homecoming, you usually try to get an easy opponent so you get the win and everybody can be happy. But when you read some Toledo fans don't, some people still think it's that team from down south. But Illinois considers us rivals. It gets kind of dicey, and NIU, I'm pretty sure, wants to be spoilers. Yeah, they're, they're coming for a homecoming trip. They're coming to knock us out of the early race for the conference championship game. And you're always trying they're to be the spoiler. Always. Yeah. And here's that's, a good that's game. MIA. And, and, and here's the opportunity for it. And um, WHT Sports will have it for you. They did a really excellent job on, on the call against uh, Western Michigan. So this is the end of winners and losers. We'll get into the Rocket Recap. David, give us a little bit of taste of what you got on the on the docket. See the future man-child, Penny Boone. is going to go a long way. True, especially if Finn doesn't play. 
listen to 88.3 WHDs after further review. Make sure you check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, with the podcast. If you missed the, any of the show, we got our segments up there. Normally on 88.3 WHT live on Saturdays, 1130 to about 2 o'clock. Mm, first hour of the show about done. Get into Rocket Recap next here on 88.3 WHT after further review. <laughs>